0: To be honest, I think I finally learned to really really respect someone without fighting for their approval.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of To Be Honest. I'm your host Amy
0: and I'm your host Grace. And just to expand on my To Be Honest a little bit, um, back when I was in grade 9 and 10 and even some of grade 11, I had this one teacher who I really, really looked up to. And she was like the core person, the core teacher in the program that I was in, in grade nine and 10. And like a lot of people respected her. Mm -hmm. And like, I really looked up to her and I felt like I was always fighting for her approval. And I just realized I was having um, a discussion, just like a casual talk with my philosophy slash current leadership teacher. And I was talking about how like, I've really looked up to this teacher so much, but I was fighting for their approval and I was like almost struggling to explain how I felt. And he summarized it perfectly where he was like, you wanted her approval so much to the point where sometimes you felt like you were sacrificing pieces of yourself. Mm. And I was like, Yes, that's exactly what it was because a core part of the program was leadership. Mm -hmm. And um, this teacher was like so invested in the program, but also she really didn't like it when we had to miss leadership classes Mm -hmm. because a lot goes on in those classes and it would be really hard to catch up and stuff, which makes sense. So she really discouraged us from taking like school extracurriculars that conflicted with those classes. So for example, musical theater was something that I wanted to do back when I was in grade nine and 10, but because it conflicted with the leadership schedule and because my teacher at the time kind of like strongly discouraged it, Mm -hmm. I didn't do it. And then same with the current leadership group that I'm with now. Um, I wanted to do it like last year, but because I was taking another leadership class with her, Um, it was kind of, like, strongly discouraged for me to do that. And I'm not saying that this is that teacher's fault. I'm saying that it was, like, a mindset thing for me. Mm. It wasn't like she forced me to, like, you know, feel like I was always fighting for approval. It was, like, this thing in my head where I felt like I wanted it so badly that I was always fighting for it. This is in no terms, like... Um, a diss to her in any way I still like look up to her immensely but at the time I realized that I hadn't matured in my mindset enough Mm -hmm. to like realize how damaging this was for me
1: yeah I was gonna ask like do you think that this Change in like mindset was more due to the different teaching styles of the teachers or do you think it was more of a you self-growth thing
0: I think it's both I think it's both like time and place and also the circumstance mm-hmm. so what I mean by that is like coming into the program coming into grade nine as well yeah obviously I'm like kind of insecure kind of uncertain of myself and obviously I'm trying to latch on to something mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm and so what I latched on to was like trying to gain this approval of the Sun teacher. And also just because that old leadership teacher that I used to have was a little bit more like old fashioned in some senses of her teaching style. Mm-hmm. Or she was a little bit she was very like Professor McGonagall. Yeah. You know, like super strict. passionate, <laughs> strict but fair. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a bit of that played into it too, but it I think it was like a combination of where I was personally, also my personality and also her teaching style. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this year, I didn't realize until like just recently, but I realized that you know, my philosophy slash leadership teacher who I have now, I look up to him like so tremendously. but I realized that I'm never I was never really fighting for his approval, really.
1: You know? So, like, do you think, think that mm-hmm. your other previous teacher made you feel like you needed to gain her approval? Whereas this teacher, maybe from the get-go, you felt like you were an, um, completely accepted and this was, like, a safe space?
0: I think it's a mixture of both because I definitely felt safe mm-hmm. with my previous teacher. Yeah. But it was also just because I think, just because of her teaching style, I think she put more emphasis on what she was passionate on and Mm. because i looked up to her Mm -hmm. i wanted to show that i was passionate about what she was passionate about too Mm -hmm. whereas i think my current philosophy slash leadership teacher made more of a point to show that this one leadership class is just kind of an aspect of her of our lives. And also it's different because my old teacher was teaching grade 9s and 10s and my current teacher now is teaching senior leadership. Mm-hmm. And he gives a lot more freedom to us in like planning events and everything just because you know we're like seniors now yeah. <laughs> and we have more experience with this stuff and he doesn't need to hold our hand the whole way.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I was psychoanalyzing I think, you a bit and I was like, hmm, is this because like she gained um, like more self-respect and like ability to defend her own interests? Like if you went back in the past to your grade 9, 10 self with the mindset you have now, would you have fought to do musical theater and more of these extracurricular activities?
0: Maybe because my old teacher, like she was really, really sensitive to all of our passions as well. And there were certainly like students who did musical theater while in the program. Mm -hmm. Um, Inda did. Inda did musical theater for all four years and she was in the same program as me. And it totally would have been fine. But because I didn't want to do anything that she even slightly discouraged, it was like, oh, I'll wait until I'm out of the program to do all the stuff that I've been wanting to do.
1: I have noticed like this is one of your great qualities where you always tend to like view people very highly but especially towards like teachers or like authority figures I feel like you often take their word as like law so like when they say something you kind of go like full 100% on it sometimes
0: yeah I agree with that I think that I have like a set of base morals and as long as a teacher doesn't conflict with them Mm -hmm. I am like yeah I do kind of do that, where I'm like, I don't want this enough to go against what this teacher is saying. Yeah. You know, that's like a bit of my type 9 side Mm -hmm. coming in. Mm
1: -hmm. And also, I think you're like goody two-shoes type 1 side as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. (laughs) It's my goody two-shoes side. (laughs) But why I bring this up is because right now I'm taking philosophy Mm -hmm. with the teacher that I was talking about earlier, and we just finished talking about metaphysics which is like the idea of what is real. And it tries to answer all these different questions like what is reality? What is a soul? What makes a human? Are human actions free? Is there a supreme being? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to have an identity? And all these super like existential uh, crises types of questions. And so one of the key themes that we just finished talking about is this idea of determinism versus free will. In other words, fate versus free will yeah and so just as we're beginning i want to pose like just a quick thought experiment so imagine that it's a hot summer's day it's almost summer Mm -hmm. um and you go to the ice cream shop Mm. and there's like so many different ice cream flavors to choose from but ultimately you end up choosing chocolate and then imagine that you go back like five minutes in time and you have no memory of what just happened so you're in the same spot and all of the external factors are the same. Mm. Like if someone beside you sneezed the first time, someone beside you sneezed again this time. (laughs) If like say the chocolate ice cream container was half empty last time, it's half empty this time. Everything about it is the same and you have no memory of what happened before. Mm -hmm. Would you still choose the chocolate ice cream?
1: I think I would. But okay, when you say everything's the same, you're saying like everything I notice is exactly the same as all right so like I would do the same comparison between like "Mm, this pistachio ice cream looks a little sus the chocolate ice cream beside it looks a lot better like would I have that exact same (laughs) thought process
0: yeah exactly because there would have been something that caused you to notice the pistachio Mm -hmm. ice cream and then notice the chocolate ice cream and compare the two there would have been some kind of external factor that would have led to that
1: Yeah, I think I would then. I may not be the best person to ask because I'm the type of person who walks to an ice cream store and if they have con candy, I get it every single time. And if they don't, I get something (laughs) of the same uh, level. (laughs) But yeah, I think I would go for the chocolate ice cream.
0: And that's exactly what like basically everyone in our class said. Yeah. And this is illustrating determinism, which is this idea that life from like the start Of the universe to the end of the universe is this unbroken chain of events where one Mm -hmm. thing leads to another which leads to another which leads to another and everything about life is it's very mathematical very scientific it's like all these external factors lead to certain actions and those actions are factors in and of themselves which lead to other actions And so because life is just one single chain of unbroken events, it's almost like a video or a movie where Mm. no one actually makes any decisions because there are no choices. Like you couldn't have chosen differently. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, it's this idea that like people don't really have any choices at all because they're just following this one chain of events that happens. And we're unaware of it. But we're just like blindly following this one chain versus free will, which is the idea that you can have, you can choose to have done differently. So, going back to the ice cream example, you could have stopped and made the conscious decision like, this time I'll pick vanilla, where like life is a bit of a probability, where like maybe 80% of the time I choose chocolate, but 20% of the time I choose vanilla in the same situation at the exact same time with all the exact same external factors around you. Mm -hmm. And so in order to fight for free will, you kind of have to fight for the idea that we can have independent thoughts or like thoughts independent of some external factor that triggers them. Or in other words, like kind of random thoughts.
1: Mm. From my initial viewpoint, like I always take the middle ground. So I'm just like, why can't both exist? Yeah,
0: yeah. And the thing is, we actually talked about this. There's this idea that some people bring up called compatibilism, Mm. where they're like, oh, it's like both determinism and free will mixed into one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's this idea of like, best of both worlds. You know, you have your cake and you eat it too. Mm. Um, But it doesn't really work because the thing with determinism and free will is that they can't coexist by definition. Like as long as you can predict Uh, as long as you can prove that in one situation you have the ability to make a choice to have chosen differently automatically it's free will now Mm, that makes sense and so as a result if you're like arguing for compatibilism the way that um a few philosophers put it is like they say it's kind of a cop-out because in order to argue for compatibilism you either have to Like step on the toes of some ideas of determinism or you have to disregard some of the ideas of free will. Mm -hmm. And so then you're not fully fighting for either one of them. So that's why people say it's like kind of a Um, cop-out. But like as a tangent... But I always
1: hate how, like, in philosophy and, like, English class, you always have to take such a firm position on everything. Because, like, I thrive in the middle ground. And I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> both of these seem very valid. Let's just say both are yeah. right. <laughs> and I'm just like, why well, can't both coexist? The way I initially thought of it, and, like, still kind of do, is... Like, life is, you kind of think of it as, like, you know those probability trees where, like, one branch extends from another branch? Yeah, like, from another node, where I was like, um, we have, like, all these choices in front of us, and then our, like, past experiences, and, like, whatever things we notice right now, whatever external factors, like, influence the probability that we choose one of those choices, but at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. like, choosing a lower probability choice is still possible. But that does kind of fall into the area, like, what would make you choose that less probable choice? Like, it would be something in your mind that would make you choose that, like you wouldn't choose it out of nowhere, right?
0: And then it's the idea of like, well, random thoughts, do they really exist? Because a random thought must have been triggered by something too. And -hmm. there's actually a lot of validity in what you're saying, Amy, because while you can't say that they both coexist. You also can't really dismiss either one
1: uh-huh. <laughs>
0: and the conflict between determinism and free will is like the conflict between the scientific side and the humanistic side and the thing mm-hmm. about like if you say oh there's no free will that means that because people have no choices they're not morally responsible for anything mm-hmm. we're just like blindly enacting this chain of events And so because people aren't responsible for anything, there's no praise and no punishment. So Mm. essentially, like, our whole current law system is flawed because it's based on the idea that people have free will. You know, to condemn someone for crime, you have to prove that they were conscious and that they, like, decided to do this crime. And also in our world, we like to focus on, like, Awards or praising people. And we like to say like, oh, people are more than just their circumstances. Like, oh, it's the decisions that people make more than their like, reality or what surrounds them or their circumstances that define who they really are. And we really like to focus on people's like, internal decision-making capabilities, you mm-hmm. know? Like, for example, there's this idea of, you know, we all have pet peeves. And when someone does something that, like, rubs us the wrong way, we immediately take it very personally on them. We're like, oh, it's something in their personality that Mm. causes them to do that. Like, people in general tend to do that. And that's what Amy was kind of talking about a few episodes ago. Do you want to explain?
1: Oh, Mm yes. Yes. Um, so something I learned about from my psychology class is the concept of a fundamental attribution error. I forgot how in-depth I explained it, but basically it's like throughout our day-to-day lives we make attributions to everything on like why something happened. So if something happens in your life, like chances are in the back of your mind you'll start thinking about why it happened. So, attributions is just you attributing a reason to someone's action or your own action. And what fundamental attribution error is, is it's kind of related to like self-serving bias if you guys have heard of that before, which is the concept Mm -hmm. of like you think of yourself more highly and then you give yourself more grace when you think about yourself versus when you think of other people. So with fundamental attribution error, if you do something good, so if you score really well on a test, then you'll be like, oh, I got this really high score because I studied really hard because I'm smart and if you do bad on a test you'll be like oh it's because I didn't get enough sleep last night it's because I just haven't been Mm -hmm. feeling great recently it's because the professor made a stupidly hard test um Whereas if you were to look at someone else, like if someone did bad on a test, fundamental attribution error would make you think that they did badly because of a personal attribution. So, oh, they're just not that smart. They didn't study very hard. They're not that hardworking. And if they did well on a test, it'll it'll be something like maybe they just took like a class in the past that made them um, more prepared for this test than I did or whatever. Um, Mm. So it's, Basically like the concept of self-serving bias, but in more detail Um, and then we can relate it to what Grace is talking about because um, she brought in the idea of internal versus external locus of control and then the attributions are like basically the same idea So the personal attributions would be like internal locus of control like you have control of your actions free will Um, whereas the external locus of control, the situational attributions would be like fate Mm -hmm. or determinism or whatever.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so I totally agree with that. And so um, like we were saying just now, you can't dismiss free will because then there's no concept of morals, praise or punishment. But you also can't dismiss determinism Mm -hmm. because we can't really prove that, you know, just like the ice cream thought experiment, we can't really prove that we can make our own choices and that we can have random thoughts and that all of these thoughts don't just come from external factors because that's a very scientific explanation Mm -hmm. and it's a very sound explanation too. Yeah. And so there's this idea that even though it's really highly likely that we do live in a deterministic world, all of our laws and like all of our concepts of how we approach life are kind of based on free will. Mm -hmm. Like what I was mentioning earlier, we put people in prison saying that, oh, it's because you had free will to commit this crime and because you were conscious while doing it or like we award someone because, you know, they've been working really hard and they've been doing really well in school and they're really nice to people. And so we really focus on this internal thing. In life even though it's highly likely that we live in a deterministic world and mm-hmm. um, as a result of that in our philosophy class we we're kind of talking about how like s- like what Amy was talking about some of the benefits of believing in free will or the um, effects of believing in determinism even if we do live in a deterministic world like it doesn't matter what the reality is like how our perception of things have an impact. And this is what Amy was talking about with like the internal and external locus of control. And so what we were talking about in philosophy was like, oh, if everyone just believed in the external locus of control, they believe that you know, we're all just products of our environment and our circumstances and all these external causal factors, mm-hmm. then we don't feel like we have the power or any power, really, over our lives. And, you know, we can't make decisions anyway, so what's even the point? Yeah. And there's so many studies that show, and we've talked about this, too, with our optimism episode, about all the benefits of having, like, an internal locus of control and of thinking hey, like, I have the power to improve myself if I want to. I have the power to work harder. If I work harder, things will turn out better. I have the power to, like, make change in my life. Mm. And this is linked to, like, doing better in school, doing better in work, like, less cheating, less, like, antisocial behavior, less prejudice, and, like, all of these um, beneficial effects to society. And so Amy and I just started talking about, like, hey is it possible to believe in determinism and still reap some of these beneficial effects
1: yeah see like the thing that made me have that question is i feel like our mentalities um when we connect like determinism uh and free will and internal and external locus of control and the fundamental attribution all these like random terms together i feel like (laughs) we're not completely consistent um, from my point of view, at least, because Grace, uh, has an internal locus of control. She believes she has control over her life. Well, I should also have an internal locus of control, should I? I'm not too sure. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, I feel like she does also apply certain aspects of determinism in her judgments of people and she doesn't fall victim to the fundamental attribution error at all I don't think because with Grace like I feel like when she's looking at somebody in a worse situation then she's very likely to be like very empathetic and say oh they're probably just in the situation because like um they were raised in a worse way than I was or um they had like more uh, difficulties in their childhood, like she'll be really empathetic and then think of situational attributions to make, like she won't make the personal attributions to them. So then you'd assume that's like external locus of controly, right? But then when it comes to herself, like she uses the internal locus of control, but also when it comes to herself, like when we're talking about why you are the way you are, like grades wise, very often you bring up, oh, that's just how I was raised. That's the mentality my dad gave me. And then you don't really attribute it much to yourself. A lot of the time you attribute it to the mentality your father raised you with, which is also a bit more deterministic or like external locus of control. So I don't know, I found that a bit interesting because I kind of assumed, I know we were talking about this earlier, and I was like, okay, well, yeah. we're both determinists, right? And she was like, am I? I'm not a determinist. And I was like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and here's the thing, like this struggle that I've had in philosophy is this disconnect between sometimes what I'm arguing initially aligns with what I believe with. But the deeper I get into that argument and the more I try to refine it, the more I realize that it starts to stray away from my beliefs. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, well, now I'm kind of arguing for something because... It's a better argument for it. You know, it's a more foolproof argument, but also it doesn't really align with my beliefs. But then also all of philosophy is about questioning your beliefs and, you know, Plato's allegory of the cave, like stepping out of the cave and seeing the light instead of the shadows Mm -hmm. and questioning your own reasoning and refining your beliefs and everything. Mm
1: -hmm. And so I'm
0: like, oh my gosh, this is such a struggle. And just adding on to what Amy was saying, on top of that, I have this thing where, like, due to my beliefs and my faith, I have this idea of like determinism, where, um, because like I believe in Christianity, I believe that like God has a plan, and so I take a lot of comfort in that, where I'm like, oh, it's been determined, like, everything's going to be okay, essentially, mm, yeah, like, fate, everything's going to be okay, yeah, but then at the same time, I also have. Like, kind of the internal locus of control, more free willy side to it. Ha, willy. Um, (laughs) Where I'm like, also, I should work hard because I have the power to change my life. And I have kind of like the power for self-growth in a way. Mm -hmm. And so those two don't necessarily line up together either.
1: But don't they? it's so
0: weird. (laughs)
1: Yeah. That's the other thing I was thinking about, because, like, I was trying to make the argument of, like, how can I be deterministic, but also, like, seem to function normally and try hard in my life and not fall victim Mm -hmm. to all these external locus of control detriments? Um, Mm -hmm. And I always think that like well that this is like what is expected of me you know like from my upbringing it is expected that I try hard in school and get good grades and try hard in like career advancement and stuff like that I don't know when when I get into the state of mind I just think it's not that deep man (laughs) it's just like my family like encourages this part of me like the people I surround myself with that's the path my brother is also going down so it would make much less sense if I just started doing nothing. Like, that would be, that would require internal locus of control for me to just like mm-hmm. completely abandon everything and go off the rails.
0: Which is why I think sometimes we think of the extremes yeah. when we think of yeah. determinism versus free will, or when we think of external locus of control versus internal locus of control. Mm-hmm. Like, with someone who is a hard determinist who believes in external locus of control, we think of the extreme of someone who's like, Nothing matters. Life doesn't matter. I'm just going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> See, is like it more like nihilism
1: rather than like an external locus of control?
0: A little bit. But like we think of the extreme of that because it's the thought of, oh, my circumstances brought me where i am right now and i can't get out of it but also like what amy's saying Mm -hmm. there's also this idea of maybe your circumstances have led you to a very good place yeah just continue (laughs) Mm -hmm. living in that very good place
1: (laughs) so like how would the issue with external locus of control apply to my life as it is right now since i have been brought to a pretty good place
0: yeah honestly okay I think the only issue with that is that when you do, like, inevitably fall into a rut, because, you know, we all have, Mm -hmm. like, highs and lows in life, Mm -hmm. maybe you don't feel the self agency to be able to pick yourself back up. Mm. And maybe you're just waiting for a catalyst to, like, you're waiting for something to help you feel okay again, or, like, you're waiting to sail on to another high.
1: Maybe I do have an internal locus of control then.
0: Because you know what that reminds (laughs) me of? Like, that was kind
1: of me in middle school, I think. And then that's a lot of people, I think, in like the early high school stages. Because I remember talking to my friends, and it did seem like a lot of them had the mentality where they were just waiting for a good thing to strike them. For a lot of my guy friends, this was like a relationship where they just thought that their life would get better after getting a girlfriend. (laughs) But like now... This is, this is a bit of a tangent as well, but like we learn about motivation and psychology and then there is something called like drive theory where, um, you're motivated to do things to reduce drives you have. So when you are hungry, that is a drive that is telling you to eat food. So then you eat food to reduce that drive. And then with me, it's like problem solving, you see, <laughs> it's like, if I'm not in a good place in life, if I'm like not doing anything with my time and if i'm just like wasting my days away watching youtube all day not feeling fulfilled Mm. then that feels bad like i can't feel Mm. good doing that especially after an extended period of time so again it would like i would be motivated to reduce that bad feeling and go down that path instead so it's not really like me being Uh, a self-starter like a initiator or anything in my own life and going like i need to change this immediately it's more just like i feel bad right now i will get out of this bad place because that is worse for me is that internal locus of control am
0: i an internal locus of controller do Hmm. you think that you have the power to get yourself out of situations or do you think like yeah i do
1: (laughs) i mean like i (laughs) <laughs> know how to get myself out of, a, out of, like, a rut and stuff like that.
0: But do you actively
1: practice that? Do I actively practice getting myself out of a rut? hmm Um, I would say so. Like, when I'm in a bad place, like, usually I'll let myself wallow for a few days. But then, like, I will talk to someone about it very often that person is Grace. And then like I will usually <laughs> you'll notice that my journals are usually when I'm at that like point of my like life motivation cycling where I'm like ready to get started again. It's like the my mini Renaissance period where I'm rising from the ashes or whatever. And then that's where the journal entries right. start because I'm just like I'm gonna get my life <laughs> <work> together. <laughs> and I cycle my <laughs> myself and then I have like a to-do, I have like a schedule and everything. And then eventually I am able to follow that and I feel better until I fall back back into a rut again and then the cycle continues Mm -hmm. but yeah like i have the ability to get myself out of ruts Mm -hmm. yeah so does that make me an internal locus of controller
0: see i don't know with internal versus external locus of control if Mm -hmm. you can have like a middle ground because with determinism and free will you can't Ah. but with Internal versus external locus of control. Like, we were talking about how in different situations I exhibit different qualities of internal or external. Yeah. And so I wonder if they can coexist. Maybe?
1: Yeah. Wait, so I wanted to ask you this, but, like, when we were talking about, like, criminals who go to jail because of their criminal acts, did you say that it was determinism like what side did you take in that argument so like with (laughs) robbie holtz is that his name robert holtz
0: uh robert harris (laughs) a <laughs> <Robert laughs> good friend robbie <laughs>
1: oh, sorry okay uh, no i should not
0: say that he took the death penalty
1: okay jesus but you did say that you personally think that you believe in free will more than determinism right
0: i said that i believe in both and mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. but i can't let go of either
1: of them okay okay well see you're also a middle grounder
0: that's like the whole point of like the fate versus free will argument, because people have been arguing forever on it, and both sides have, like, good evidence, mm-hmm. but also you can't live without, like, without one of them, but you also can't have them coexist. Mm-hmm. I'll talk yeah. more about that later.
1: Yeah, so when you were talking about the that criminal trial on, like, whether to sentence this guy to the death penalty or not, or, like, not, not the death penalty, I guess, but do you think he had free will in that situation?
0: So this is going back to me arguing something that I don't know if I necessarily believe in. But -hmm. what I was saying is that I was coming from a determinist point of view. And I was saying that this guy, Robert um, Harris, who was sentenced to the death penalty because he committed murder amongst a bunch of other crimes, Mm -hmm. um... I was saying that he was not morally responsible for his actions because this is a deterministic world where choices do not exist. Thus, he does not have moral responsibility. Mm -hmm. However, I was arguing that there was a difference between moral responsibility and criminal responsibility. And I was saying that, oh, criminal responsibility is like purely for the good of society. So we will lock him up just so that everyone else lives a better life
1: because
0: Mm -hmm. just because even though he isn't morally responsible just because of like the factors in his life that have led him to where he is now he is more likely to commit crimes in the future
1: yeah but like excluding that part like for the good of Mm -hmm. society would you fall into the deterministic Mm -hmm. or the free will part
0: i was coming at it from a deterministic point of view but although i was arguing from a deterministic Mm -hmm. point of view personally I don't know if that's what I agree with, because mm-hmm. in a deterministic world, morals are basically thrown out of the window, and if you have listened to this podcast at all, you would know that my morals are very important to me, mm-hmm. and I can't bear having them thrown out of the window, <laughs> and, like, that's not how I, like, I can't live my life like that. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: we live in a very paradoxical world, is what I'm learning like in this episode. We do.
0: And this is the thing that philosophers have been arguing about for like ever. This idea of determinism versus free will has existed for so long. And even in our society, Mm -hmm. even though we recognize, oh, it's highly likely that we live in a deterministic world Mm -hmm. because we can't prove that we can have, you know, independent thoughts or random thoughts that aren't triggered by an external causal factor, even though we may recognize that, our whole like, life society system is all based on free will, mm. like I mentioned earlier on. And like even though philosophers have been debating for so long, we haven't really come to an answer, like a distinct, like, oh, this is the correct answer. Mm.
1: That seems to be the case for most things.
0: Yeah. And, you know, earlier Amy was talking about how sometimes as long as something doesn't conflict with, like, my morals slash beliefs, I kind of just recognize that the way that things are, there, like, there's a reason why things are the way that they are right now.
1: Hmm.
0: And that's not to say that I don't think that things can be better, but that's just to say that although I might criticize a lot of things in society and I might be, like, This isn't the way it should be. Like, for example, the school system or like, for example, even this idea of determinism versus free will. I recognize that I can't come up with a better system. So there's a Mm -hmm. reason why right now, even though we might recognize we live in a deterministic world, that everything is based on free will. Like, yeah. I think there's a good reason for that, and I think there's a good reason why, even though, like, so many much smarter and more educated philosophers have been debating mm-hmm. about this for so long, we still haven't come to a distinct mm-hmm. answer on it.
1: Also, I don't want to put you on the spot, but did you guys discuss, like, the general meaning behind, like, humanism and, like, the humanistic perspective and stuff like that as well? Or did you just use it as the term when you are describing uh, free will?
0: What do you mean by the meaning of humanistic?
1: I mean, uh, the way I understand it is I feel like it's like kind of related to religion and like the belief that we have a consciousness or like a soul and that like humans are special in some type of way. And then also like it's a bit confusing because like in psychology, there is also the humanistic perspective, which is a bit different, I think hi, this is editing amy here. i don't usually do this, but i wanted to keep in the conversation about humanism because i thought it was kind of interesting, so i did a bit of research, and the philosophy i'm explaining here i think is better termed as human exceptionalism, which emphasizes how things like our consciousness, self-awareness, and moral agency, aka free will, make us special compared to other living beings. Honestly, I tried doing a bit of research on humanism, but I think the term has become a bit distorted over the years, and even after researching it for a good amount of time, I still don't completely understand it, but I think humanism believes in the value and free will of humans, and it places a lot of importance on critical thinking. And while humanism does share some similarities to exceptionalism, As it emphasizes the intrinsic value and agency of human beings, it doesn't actually incorporate religious beliefs or believe that humans are particularly special. In fact, it was actually started in response to the overly religious systems of the time, and instead of following a set dogma, um, which is like a set of beliefs, it promotes own search for meaning. And this aligns with, like, the humanistic perspective that I briefly mentioned in psychology, which believes that humans are driven to self-actualize and reach their fullest potentials. This got a bit longer than I thought it'd be, but basically, humanism is used as the term for the free will side of the debate, since it believes that humans are capable of making their own decisions and have the ability to shape their destinies and create meaning for themselves through critical thinking and their own reasoning, whereas determinism would not.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I would agree with what you're saying. It comes from this idea that humans, we have um, the ability to make our own choices. And it comes from this desire of being able to focus on the internal of Mm
1: -hmm. people, like being able to focus
0: on people's personalities. It's kind of like
1: when we talk about psychology, um, like in nature versus nurture, like the part of humanism that seems different to me is that determinism would kind of assume that we're like animals in a way. We're at the mercy of our environment and we don't have the ability to change anything on our own and we're simply the result of like all these random drives and my biological predispositions, which also reminds me of this thought I was having around like the nature of psychology as an area of knowledge. Cause like, I feel like psychology, If we imagine determinism and like free will as like venn diagrams i guess i'm not sure if they have overlap but if we imagine them as venn diagrams like psychology would only fall into the deterministic side because like even with the nature versus nurture discussion both of those factors fall into determinism it's like whether your biology makes you who you are or whether your environmental Mm -hmm. factors make you who you are which is both determinism Mm -hmm.
0: those are both causal factors
1: and like, even with evolutionary psychology as well, I remember I kind of had a bone to pick with um, one of my friends who is a big fan of evolutionary psychology, and they're like, oh, humans are the way they are just because we've evolved to become this way, and... Um, like all the experiences we've had through the millennia has made us have these genetic predispositions to things and want to do things for whatever reasons and then I always felt Mm -hmm, like I haven't been able to explain it super well but I feel like it's a very slippery slope to go down to just assume that everything in our lives can be explained through psychology and then there is nothing more at play and it does seem like kind of anti-human in a way but it's like the concept is hard to explain you know and then even yeah. within psychology there's like different aspects of it like the three big ones we would talk about is biology um i think social and like cognitive or something and the closest thing mm-hmm. to like free will in my mind would be like the cognitive area cuz like cognition is basically your thinking what goes on in your thought processes and they compare it to like computers and, like, logic and stuff like that. Because, like, computers, in order to reach a, like, in order to, like, form an argument in a computer, you need to do it, like, in a very structured way, you know? So, like, if you've... I'm not that good at coding, but they have, like, if and else statements so like if this is not the case then it is this or whatever yeah (laughs) um if
0: then else (laughs) yeah
1: and then i'm pretty sure there's this whole branch of like cognitive psychology and computer science that like tries to explain the way our cognition works and like the logical ways we form thoughts and stuff anyways that's a bit of a tangent but then that makes me think that that's like pretty related to the free will part right because like free will Uh, we assume happens through your thoughts not just through like something you notice and then you just suddenly have the feeling to do something Mm -hmm. but even within cognition it is explained within like the deterministic realm i think which also makes me think of like the idea of a consciousness i was watching like Mm -hmm. a
0: kurgstad
1: kurgin stat i love that channel by the way it's amazing me too yeah
0: (laughs) and i was talking love the birds
1: hmm. And I was talking to another friend about that as well. And like the idea of consciousness is really hard to explain. And then I remember the way that they did it in the Kyrgyzstan video. they were like this. It's what you're feeling right now. And I think it's kind of like that feeling, you know, when you think of like yourself in the world and then everything feels like really weird for a second and you're like, oh. I think like that's kind of consciousness Mm -hmm.
0: but do you ever feel like sometimes you have what you were talking about and then you feel like everything is like tingly and numb
1: yeah yeah like it's a physical sensation i swear to god
0: (laughs) oh my god i didn't know that that was a normal thing
1: yeah oh my god this is a (laughs) social media trend where like nothing is original about us Uh, (laughs) i haven't had one unique experience my entire life
0: (laughs) And before we spiral down into a bunch of other chains of um, existential crises, not just related to metaphysics, but about, like, every single aspect of our lives, Mm -hmm. we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode. This is a bit of a different episode than what we normally do. But, you know, my philosophy course has kind of taken over my whole life, along with musical theater. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, all I think about now. (laughs) And also, I've just heard a lot of... Podcasts that kind of like tell a story and um is a little bit more structured in that way so it's like "Ooh, this might be cool for us to do mm-hmm. so we'd love to hear any feedback you have on this episode if you enjoyed it if you want more philosophical episodes maybe we can get my philosophy slash leadership teacher on the podcast i'm really hoping we can mm-hmm. but if you want to send us your feedback feel free to reach out at instagram um, you can find us at to be honest pod Yeah,
1: and I, for one, really enjoyed this episode because I've always been interested in philosophy, but I don't think I've ever really taken a proper course in philosophy. Like, I've taken theory of knowledge, but that's theory of knowledge, you know? We touch on a lot of the (laughs) concepts we talk about, but I don't think we do it in as structured of a way, and like, the discussions, I think, were a little less fruitful than yours, so I'm super excited to learn about what you're learning about and be able to talk about it with you. So thank you for sharing your knowledge with me. And as always, (laughs) thank thank you so much for your support. If you wanted to hop on over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave us a rating or share the podcast with anyone who you think might be interested, then it would be much appreciated. And with that, we'll we'll see you next you next week!